0: Um, And today we're going to be talking about just the simplicity of the gospel. Um, So this podcast that we're starting is called Two or More, and it's just me and, and Landry just getting together and just talking about Scripture and just... Um, what it means to us, and just the the taboo subject subjects within the church that so many people just overcomplicate, or just absolutely just create by themselves without relating it back to scripture at all. And today we're going to talk about just the gospel and um, and how people corrupt that, and just the true simplicity that it is. Um, we're going to be talking about um, Colossians two
1: um, one through fifteen today. Um, so let's go ahead and read that, um, then we can go through it. Um, so 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love, to reach all the reaches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful workings of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiveness having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its illegal demands this has set aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him
0: all right so uh, we just kind of want to break down just this um, these 15 verses but before that um, I just want to say that um, that everything that we say today is just our interpretation of scripture. Um, it does not mean that that we are adding anything to Scripture or taking right. anything away from Scripture. Um, that I, I believe that that is the essence of the Christian faith is interpreting um, Scripture for yourself and, and digging into the Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not God. We don't claim to be God. We don't claim to um, to be able to teach anybody anything more than He can. And um, everything that we say will be directly Scripture based um, or pulled from very um, credible ministers or authors or whoever else uh, that, that we, we see credible enough to, to have that type of knowledge. Um, so I guess we can just start with verse 1, and then I'll read that. And it says, um, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those um, who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So, uh, kind of just what we both got out of this, and and we can talk about it a little bit more, was just that that Paul was expressing his hurt for the churches and um, just their immaturity, and the, how that was expressed his heart for for walking alongside them so that they could grow in in their faith. That that we see that throughout all of um, Paul's teachings, just how he walks alongside the church that he's he's talking about in the context, right. I
1: think um, just put it in modern day context. Um, if you have a friend that you see um, that isn't following the Lord like they should be, um, it hurts um, when you look at them and see that they're not following in the right path in God's path. Um, and this is how Paul was feeling yeah. um, in this situation.
0: Yeah, and, and you, you see that in all of his teachings. Whenever he opens up a book, especially when he's when he's writing to certain churches. Whenever he opens up a book, he's always brokenhearted over what they've done, but rejoicing in the good that they've done as well. Right. Um, and he just creates that that perfect balance of mm-hmm. this is what you're doing wrong, but you're also doing right, and God sees that too, but you're just still not living for him.
1: Right. Yeah, it's good. Cool. So um, verses 2 and 3 kind of go together. Um, so I'll go ahead and read that. Um that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are all things hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Um. So this mystery that he's talking about, um, the the knowledge of God's mystery, is Christ. Um, so this is just just the gospel of. Um, that that Christ came down to die for us and to give us salvation, um, for for all who seek the heart of God, um, not not just the ones who um, just the the chosen few um that some might think, but it's it's for everyone. Um it's just our job to put ourselves out there and to accept it. Yeah.
0: And just kind of what what else this this says is just that we can seek full assurance of our salvation as long as we seek it correctly. And there are so many Christians today. And um, we'll, we'll talk about a tier system um, of of how we can almost delegate things within the Bible and where they go. Um, but But people focus on these tier three issues, which are just the issues in the Bible that just absolutely make or issues outside of the Bible that man has made part of the Christian faith, and it's just not valid. And we, we see so many people these days trying to find their assurance of salvation within those tier three issues when it's not there at all. Right. It's purely in Christ, and it's purely in Scripture, and you just have to to seek it out and find it because He's willing to give it to you. You just have to be able, to, be able and willing to go get it.
1: Right. Um, let's go ahead and explain the tier system. So um, the tier system kind of breaks it down into... Um, um, three tiers and tier one is um, the things that come straight out of the Bible that are pretty rock solid said over and over again um, on the truth of the gospel and um, things that fall into this category are um, salvation um, through Jesus Christ and nothing else, um, nothing but the blood and, um, what else do you want to...
0: um I mean, really, tier one is just just the simple gospel. Right. Um r- Really, when it comes down to it, whenever we talk about a tier one issue, it's usually debating the validity of Scripture. Yeah. And, I mean, there really is no debate within a faith, within this faith, is that, I mean, Scripture is 100% true and 100% God-breathed. Um and if two Christians are debating that, it's irrelevant. There is no debate, right? Um, but if we want to get into tier two issues, which mm. is where I see the most debate, um, especially within the modern um, church, especially in the South where we live, is is tier two are are those issues within the Bible that are very unclear? And some examples of these tier two issues um, are just like tattoos, um, speaking in tongues um what are some more examples of two two issues um, um, how corporate worship hey. corporate worship is a big one um, and baptism and um, just just different things within the Bible that um, the, the the church as it has split and transformed throughout the years has found their own interpretation on it that differ from each other. Right. So um, it, it's it's those things that most churches get so passionate about their one side of it that they will split from a church in order to have their way filled out mm-hmm. or, or fulfilled through their church instead of following another. Right.
1: Um, Like you said, there's a lot of debate over these topics, um, and it's, it is because the Bible was not— set in stone um, mm-hmm. about these kinds of things, um, like the—I don't know what the passage is, but the cutting your hair, mm-hmm. um, thing about yeah. cutting your hair in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, we definitely don't follow that anymore. Right, right. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of things um, that are like that as well that can fall into that yeah. Tier 2 category. Right. Right. And do you want to talk about Tier 3? Tier 3. Um, <laughs> okay, so Tier 3— um, the the first two, so tier one and tier two, have to deal with um, biblical, biblical senses of things that are in the Bible, um, but tier three is more of a sense of um, these extra rules um, that we've kind of made up um, as a church to um, kind of hinder—how um, uh, do I— how do I want to say this? Hinder, um, new believers coming in. I I would say that. Um, yeah. These can consist of like wearing hats in churches. Um, um, what clothes you wear into the church, Mm -hmm. um, and just different rules that definitely are not in the Bible. Um, God says to come as you are. Um, and these definitely totally go against, um, Um, the Bible's teachings, um, and it more comes from our human standpoint of putting us as Christians on a pedestal um, and trying to set ourselves apart from other people to make us look better than others. Um, And that is a very dark place to be, um,
0: especially for the church,
1: which is just ridiculous.
0: Mm -hmm. And Tier three is basically the traditions within the church that we have made up, you know, that we that we have, you know, decided is a part of scripture that somehow, somewhere, someday, someone found some verse in the Bible that they decided, okay, this means no hats in church. And I mean that's a big one that you'll you'll hear. all of us talk about i mean there's three people in this room we're in a church and all three of us are wearing hats so um we we have a a more i guess modern outlook on what the church is but really it's not even that modern it's just more scripture based it's less um legalistic it's right. it's not worried about what the fellow believers around us are thinking it's just focused on the one true goal of the gospel, and that is to to be saved by faith and through love and then go and share that love in order to bring others to Christ. And too often these days we see people within the church, especially growing up in a Southern Baptist community, where like legalism just seems to take over the gospel that um, there are people within the church that that will completely cloud over the gospel when talking to a non-believer if they don't reach their standard yeah. of what a person should look like right and that is not at all what Jesus teaches throughout any of his teaching mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's good it's really good yeah
0: so I guess we can just get back into to verse four. So um, I'll read that. Uh, I say this so that no one will delude you uh, with persuasive argument. So we'll get we'll read verse three just for a little bit more background, or verse two and three. Um, that their heart may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself, in whom all hidden are are. In whom all hidden all the tre- wait I'm sorry. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this that no one will delude you with with any persuasive argument. And I believe that just goes right along with what we were just talking about with tier three issues. And in particular, in the church of Colossae, Colossae, um, when Paul was writing this, this was the issue that the church of Colossae was having was um, deluding the gospel right. and creating that that legalistic view of Christ, which we'll get into a whole lot more next week on the next podcast. But for for now, let's just focus on on just that statement of background, just that the Church of Colossae was a church rampant with legalism at the time that Paul was writing and addressing, saying, look, this is what you're doing. And this is not what God called us to do. This is not what I taught you to do when I was there preaching the gospel to you. So um, I think it's, it, it is just that warning against counterfeit gospels. Yep. And we see that so often, Yep, even uh, today. I think
1: it's like the Church of Colossae. They were trying to put other things as their focus in front of the true gospel. Mm. Um, so like we were talking about these tier three issues, um, to put it in modern day terms, if we're sitting in this church putting what other people are wearing into the church before sharing the gospel th- with them, right. what are we doing exactly? If we, if a guy steps foot in the church wearing a hat, wearing ripped up jeans, wearing a tank top, um, tattoo sleeves all the way down, um, and we look at him with a look of disgust and think, oh my goodness, what is he doing in this church? Mm -hmm.
0: What is that? What are we doing? Exactly. And another thing just to go along with that is there are people within the church that would go up to that man and say hey, you're in a church, take off your hat. And looking from a non-believer's perspective, if I'm a non-believer walking into a church and I'm comfortable in my hat and my tank top and my, my worn out jeans, if that's how I'm comfortable and the first thing that I get told as soon as I walk into the church is, hey, you need to take that off, that's an instant turn off like instantly i am turned off by the by the church of christ because of how they are immediately treating me inside the door and that's Mm -hmm. not what it's about again if if someone walks in wearing a hat maybe you don't like it and maybe you should pray about that but at the end of the day like we're called to love others right for who they are
1: and Going back to the hat, yes, I totally understand that there is a level of reverence that you should have for God, especially, I mean, you're in the house of God, yeah. um, but for non-believers, they don't know that. Yeah. They don't understand it. They don't even know Jesus. Yeah, why? Exactly. Why point it out to them, even like, you're not going to explain, we have yeah. a level of reverence in here, you cannot wear that hat. That You don't yeah. even say that. You go, take off that hat, you don't need to be wearing that hat. Yeah. And What... What is that? What yeah. what are we doing yeah. where that has become our focus yeah. instead of sharing the gospel? Let's go ahead and go to verse 5 because yeah. we can also um, add on to that. So verse 5 says, um, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Um I don't know if y'all know this or not, but um, the gospel is for everybody. It's for all the lost people, Mm -hmm. every single last one of them, not just the ones that are sitting right there in front of you. It's for all the lost people, even us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, just to give a little bit more context on the Church of Colossae and Paul, where they were both at at this time, um, Paul was in prison, like, The dude could not go anywhere. And for most of us, if we think of ourselves in prison, our one motive and our one mindset while we were in prison is how can I get out? I want to be free. And, we see in, in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, every other book that Paul wrote while he was in jail, that his one focus was for other people to have freedom through Christ over himself being free. Because he knew that while he was on the earth, no matter how long or how short he was, I was reading this today in 1 Corinthians, that um, no matter when his day was to come to go to be with the Lord, his one goal was to see the lost saved. And we see that through just right here whenever he's talking in prison and he's saying that, that although I'm absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and your stability of your faith in Christ. So although he is, he is brokenhearted over what they've done. He's brokenhearted over the legalistic views of this church. He's brokenhearted over seeing people turn from Christ. Although he is brokenhearted, he is still rejoicing at the fact that there are still those that are are of good discipline, and they are willing to go the extra mile in order to see others saved. Because at the time when he was in prison, he couldn't be present in Colossae, and all he wanted was Christ to run rampant through Mm Colossae, and he was willing to do whatever it took in order to see that happen.
1: Right. That's good. I think we should take a page out of Paul's book and to to be like him yeah. um, in that sense. Yes. That it's not about us. Um, it's about sharing the gospel with others. Um, no matter what circumstance we're in, we might be throwing ourselves a pity party, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's all about sharing the gospel um, right. and bringing glory to him.
0: Right. And uh, we'll just go right into um, to verse six. Therefore, you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk in him. And um, I know after reading, uh, I'm going to get into this verse just right after I say this after reading. Um, what Paul has written, and I've kind of been digging through what Paul has had to say throughout the past two or three months. I've been reading just constantly Scripture that Paul has written. And um, with how Paul writes and how intentional he writes, no matter what, you feel like you are a part of that church, that no matter what he's saying throughout Scripture, Mm -hmm. you feel like that's your problem. And you see that very, very evidently, especially in this perspective, whenever he is calling out a church for, for what they've been doing wrong. And just that one verse, whenever he says, "Therefore, as you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him." like it's simple. like th- that is the gospel that we have received Christ. Mm-hmm. we are made new in him every single day. So we're called to walk in him. and no, it's not an obligation yeah. a- at all. It, we, we don't have to do it. God mm-hmm. is not he does not say you you are going to walk in me." But he says, walk in me. And it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity for us right. to walk in Christ. Yeah. That no matter where we're at in our walk with faith, it, it doesn't have to be a, we do our quiet time solid for a solid month. I mean, it's good. Every single day you're getting in the Word, 45 minutes to an hour, praying like you are there with God. And then you fall off maybe one day, one week, one month, um, and you just you, you're not really feeling it. And I've been there, where you you come back that that first time doing your quiet time again, and you're like, man, I got to start over. Mm-hmm. But no, you you don't. You don't have to start over with Christ, because from the day that Christ died on the cross for us, we were made new. And we just have to be willing to accept that love. No matter if it's every day, every hour, every month, every year, no matter when it is, we have to be willing to say, God, I know that you loved me so much that you would send your son to die on a cross and die my death for me so that I would be able to to live eternal life in heaven with you because you want to live with me, Mm -hmm. not because you feel obligated to live with me, not because that he wants us to, he wants to see us, um, you know, mess up and he wants to see us turn back to him for help like that happens naturally but that's not his goal his goal is to love us and Mm -hmm. he does that so freely so openly and so genuinely that we don't even know how to comprehend it and i think for a lot of people that's what turns them off from christ it's just the pure love of christ and the commitment that it brings and they're scared of that commitment right yeah
1: that's good and um Talking about the obligations, those obligations. The second um, you turn your quiet time into an obligation, the mm-hmm. second you roll over in your bed in the morning and go, "Ugh, guess I have to read scripture this morning." Yeah, it turns into religion. Yes. that's the second it turns into religion, mm-hmm. and that's not a good place to be. In. Right. Um, right. The second it becomes an obligation to go to church, to read God's Bible, to um, to to pray to Him, you're Your main thing is not the main thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, You're in the wrong place, and you need to um, set your heart back to the place you should be. You've taken Um, a
0: tier one issue of digging into the Word and made it a tier three issue in it being necessary for salvation and do your quiet time. Right.
1: Yep. Um, And you've totally forgotten that level of um, thankfulness that you should have for Him. Exactly. Um, Which is verse (laughs) 7. Right. Yeah, let's go ahead and delve into that. i um, going to read a little bit of verse six. So, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, so talking about that thankfulness, the, that level of gratitude um, is a direct result of um, planting a firm foundation in Christ. Um, pure submission equals pure thankfulness. Um that level of of thankfulness and just being in awe of Christ is an awesome place to be in. Um, and it's where we should all be. Um,
0: yeah uh, I know just even today, um, I was I work at a trampoline park, and I was um sitting in the concession stand reading a book. Um, and it was actually a book that that Landry let me read. How's Your Soul by Judas Smith. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's an awesome book. Um, but he talks about that, and that's what that's what he was talking about today. Um, it's about about probably two thirds of the way through the book where he starts to talk about Paul and his journey, um, and he talks about how Paul lived a surrendered life, mm-hmm. and. A life worth living is a surrendered life that Paul woke up every morning, and no matter what the day was to to bring him, he was going to live it for Christ. He was willing to do whatever it took, whoever he needed to go reach that day, no matter how much punishment or how much persecution or how much pain or how much of anything that he had to endure that day, if God gave him a mission— He was going to go do that mission, and he was thankful for the opportunity to wake up daily and live that out. And just to to give a little bit more into this, that... You got to remember who Paul was before he was Paul, that Paul was Saul, and Saul was not a good man. Paul or Saul was part of the opposition of Christ, that he thought that Christ came to manipulate everybody's mind. So he was going to persecute everyone that preached the same thing that, that Christ preached, and he was going to kill them. And he killed thousands of Christians. In fact, he was labeled one of the best persecutors of Christians. mm mm-hmm. And then he met God right on the the road to Damascus, and I love how Judas Smith um, put this in in his book where he was just talking about. Um, it's like God knocked Saul off of his donkey and said, "Saul, what are you doing?" And Saul was like, "Who are you again?" And it's and and God was like, "Oh yeah, that's me. I I I'm God. Um, I'm the one you've been persecuting. I'm the one you've been going against." Uh, and And this is my favorite part of this whole analogy is just that whenever God is—basically whenever he met him on the road to Damascus, he said, um, Saul, I I have a team. I'm the coach of a team, and I want you to be a part of that team. And not only do I want you to be a part of that team, I want you to be the quarterback of that team. And I I love that analogy because you see just this radical persecutor of Christ— and and every Christian that, that, that belonged to him turned into one of what we know as the greatest Christians ever lived. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is, the beauty of it all, is that he was one day persecuting Christians and wanting to kill every single one of them. And the very next day, he was so thankful for just the opportunity to be alive and to share the gospel. And he, he was blinded during that time. And for for seven days, I think it was, that he was blinded. And I think that there is symbolism in that, that whenever his perspective of the world got taken out of view and all he could see was God, that's when he truly experienced God. Right. So I think that our our generation and our culture would be a whole lot better if we could put on our worldly blinders and just purely see God.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a a hard hard thing to do, um, especially since we're supposed to live our lives in surrender like we talked about. Um, And the culture that we live in, we live in a culture that says you live your life for you. You do what's best for you. You pursue your American dream and don't let anybody else... Um, hinder you from that right um which totally goes against the gospel
0: right um, oh yeah 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 I mean it's not my dream it's God's dream right and that's what my my youth pastor um he he always tells us uh like it's not us on the pedestal like as Christians we have chosen to take ourselves off the pedestal
1: mm-hmm
0: So there's no reason to get caught up in the good works that we can do to, quote unquote, find salvation, because that's not where it's found. Once we take ourselves off that pedestal and place God on the pedestal where he belongs, that's where we'll find salvation. Right. That's where we will find submission. That's where we'll find thankfulness. Whenever we die to ourselves, which uh, we'll talk about in just a second, whenever we die to ourselves and become alive in Christ, and we live out His will, not our will. Right. That's good. Go ahead with verse 8. Okay. Verse 8. Um, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what we've been talking about about these false teachings um, through way of traditions of the past church. And we see these traditions still active within the church today, mm-hmm. that you can walk down any church hallway and find these people that are searching for their assurance and salvation in how many Sundays they're at church during the year. Right. Or how many extra services, or how many times they can serve in the nursery, Mm -hmm. or how many ministries they can get plugged into. Mm -hmm. All great things. Like, I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't be searching for salvation
1: in your works. Faith without... Faith without works is dead, but in the same way works without faith is also dead exactly um, and I feel like that's a, a place that a lot of modern day Christians are kind of stuck in
0: um just I, I've heard this analogy just um faith without works is dead, but also faith around works is dead too mm, yeah if if our faith is purely based off of what we're doing mm-hmm. like Our faith is in vain. Right. Very much so. Mm -hmm.
1: So that's about all that we have time for today. Um, Thank you so much for um, listening to the Two or More podcast. Um, We'll be back next week and the (laughs) week after that and the week after that. Yeah, Um, yeah, and we'll definitely come up (laughs) with a
0: better outro. Do you want to
1: pray before we
0: uh, finish? Yeah, let's do that. Um, Father God, I just thank you for... um, every opportunity that you give me personally just to serve you, Father. And Lord, I thank you for your gospel and just the simplicity of the gospel, God. Lord, and I'm sorry for overcomplicating it. Lord, I, I pray that you would just help us as one unified body of Christ to come back to the true, simple gospel, God, and be willing to share that message with every person we come in contact with. God, I pray for every listener, Lord, that you would just, um, you would bless their heart, God. You would open up their hearts to truly feel you, Lord, to truly know you, Lord, to know that whatever's going on in their life, God, you are in control. God, I pray that you would just hide Me and Landry behind the cross, God. Lord, just let you be glorified through everything we say and everything we do. God, I pray that you would just let us live out your will, God. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do part
1: two.